Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are here as usual. Beer 52 are helping to bring the pod to you this week. You guys enjoyed your beers again this week? As ever. I do love a good pale. Yes, me also, Andrew. I didn't drink more than one this weekend because for me there was nothing to celebrate. Well, I suppose there was because it was a bit more rugby, but my beloved, my home, no pun intended, Saracens, uh, they're out. So I only had a couple this weekend, but they went down deliciously. Well, if you guys at home want to get involved and get your hands on some Beer 52 beers, uh, maybe after the pubs have shut at 10pm, you've got a welcome offer for all Rugby Pod listeners. They're offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com. And don't worry if you change your mind after you've already signed up because you can pause or cancel your account at any time. So go ahead to beer52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight beers for free. That's beer52.com forward slash rugby. And by doing so, you'll be supporting us here at the Rugby Pod as well. How's your week been, boys? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, eh, Jim? How was yours? Long. And winding road. (laughs) That leads to Saracens and then back to Scotland. Uh, the idea of it was great. I drove down to Allianz Park for Channel 4. The idea was great at first. Get out the house. Well, the idea of what? Driving from Edinburgh to London? Yeah. Who's ever thought that's a great idea? People with kids. <laughs> <Mate>. <laughs> because there was no kids. And I drove down there with no kids and podcasts and music and silence uh, one bad thing, though, I had to drive the family wagon down. So for the millions of people that saw me driving and thought, why the hell is he driving that shipmobile? Um, <laughs> I apologise. The Land Rover Discovery's got too many miles on it. Um, I went down the humble route. It wasn't that comfy seven hours in coming back up. <laughs> Tell the bat that. Tell the bat that. But the idea to get down and out the house and down to London or near London, Allianz Park, without flying, sounded good. I've been buggered ever since. But... I enjoyed it. It was good. And it was a twin's birthday. Happy birthday, Max and Freya. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, it was a relaxing Sunday, that was. <laughs> so let, let's just clear it up. You set out Friday, and I knew something was going on because Friday I was just with the missus and the kids, uh, take them out to, we took them trampoline and then we took them swimming and Jim's phoned me about three times. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, mate, I've just spoke to you about half an hour ago. We're now going swimming. So what are you doing? He's like, mate, I'm in the car for the next seven possibly eight, possibly nine hours driving from Edinburgh down to uh, Allianz Park for the game tomorrow. I'm like, mate, why didn't you just fly? He's like, I just wanted a long journey on my own. But what you didn't think about, Jim, you could have just got an early flight and said, that's what Channel 4 had booked you and then spent loads of time on your own in a hotel, you know, a, a long, hot, soapy bath. You know, Tom Vandell could have come around with his bzzz and, you know, you could have had a much better time than sitting for eight hours with your knees around your ears, driving your, what was it? It was it's a Ford Galaxy for reference, just to let you know. Um, <laughs> and now you've been moaning nonstop how bad your back is. Your back is fucked. But this is the contrast, Goody, right? Now, you've mentioned Tom Vandell letting him into my hotel room. I don't even know if that's allowed. True. Secondly, you're quite happy to go on holiday and go on flights, go indoors swimming, indoors trampolining. Hand on heart, I couldn't even fucking tell you what you're allowed to do. I don't even know <laughs> what you can and can't do. So for by me, going in my car... Or the wife's car, so it's definitely not my car, the wife's car, uh, full of crisps and sandwiches and banana skin and 
I mean, there's a couple of trainers in there. Uh, mate, there's even pants in there and nappies. I mean, you name it, it's in the car. What, the missus' pants or yours? Probably, mate. They could well have been. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. They were in a ball. Um, the, the, it's my ignorance to the situation that we find ourselves in. I genuinely don't even know what you can do now. So I think it, for me, it's just easier getting in the car, take your pillow, jobs are good. Un. And then how was it when you finally got to Allianz Park? Is it still called Allianz Park or is it just called Park now? Stop I can't being work. horrible. I can't Stop work this being out. horrible, mate. Stop being horrible. <laughs> yes, when I when I went there, it was still there, and it was great to see some familiar faces. Me and Good are very different on this around Saracens. I have some great memories, and I was really excited to get down there. I was stiff as an absolute board, I'll be honest. Uh, I wore my best gear. And Channel 4, mate, I was doing it for them. I really, really enjoyed it, and we can get on to that because I made a couple of mistakes. Not mistakes. How lush was Dan Bigger sat next to you as well? Well, that was the arrogant kind of mistake that I papered over the crack. He Dan got brought into the Channel 4 team, the panel, uh, pre-match, quite late on into the day, right? Um, and you know how much I love Dan Bigger as a player, and he's one of my favourite players. But I'm not that nervous around him because we've had him on the podcast and whatever, and it's just, you know, two international greats just doing their thing on TV, just trying <laughs> to make way in the media. But... There was a thing that was put in place. I've been doing this Channel 4 game for a couple of weeks around Finn Russell. And we're talking up Finn Russell before the game. I didn't even put, arrogantly, stupidly, two and three together to make 12 or whatever it makes, or 10, that if Owen Farrells doesn't play 10 for whatever reason, then you've got someone like Dan Bigger who could potentially start 10 for the Lions, right? So I'm talking up Finn, saying, you know, if Owen Farrell... Um, discipline isn't great or whatever or if he gets injured if Finn steps up in a in a semi-final against Saracens today and really really cements himself as a world-class 10 he could be starting 10 for the Lions and I'm looking over for Dan for him to give me the nod like Jim knows what he's talking about <laughs> nothing absolutely nothing when Finn does the, t- uh, the chip over the top I'm like mate that is a lion nothing nothing off Dan and I didn't even clock until after Obviously, he's going to be vying for his position, isn't he? Like they're going to be competing, and it didn't. I didn't even put two and three together to get ten. But um, apart from that, and the nervousness, I get nervous before I go on TV. Only the first bit, only the first question, and then I, then I'm mate. Then I'm I, humbly flying. But the first one is uh, is always nervous. It's just the build up. Like you're building up. I'm in a shirt. I don't normally wear a shirt. I actually Sweating. wear shoes as well. Yeah, well, we stuck the TV on to watch you, and I. I sat the twins down, and they were like, "Big Jim, Big Jim, helmet." Um, and my missus said, uh, "Can you ask Jim why his trousers have had an argument with his ankles? Like, were they some three-quarter trousers you're wearing, or what?" They were custom made. Oh Jesus! <laughs> mate, they, what when you were fourteen? They were tailor. No, recently tailor made. <laughs> One thing, you know, you ask for feedback, critique. You don't want to get talked up the whole time. You need to get better when you're doing TV and you're doing these things. One of the big things I've been told is that I need to dress up more. As in, like, not dress up in a morph suit or in a clown suit, as in dress up smartly. So I've gone and got tailor-made shirts, trousers. I can't find any size 15 shoes. I'll be honest that my shoes are horrendous. Um, <laughs> I'd wear them ones that you've got with the red bottoms, them Louis Bajons or whatever they're called. Yeah, um, yeah. If they had them, but I can't. So I'm trying to sort my gear out, and so I'm gutted that you've said that, that I look shit. <laughs> oh, I thought you looked very smart, and it just, it just didn't seem like you, though. When you look that smart, I'm like, what's he done? 
and it always reminds me of you going to uh, that disciplinary here in Medino. Where bring out the white shoes, mate? Where are those white shoes again? They, they were uh, hey details. They weren't white. They were cream crocodiles. Well, they weren't <laughs> crocodile skin. They were fake crocodile skin. But um, mate, yeah, I, I, I'm nervous to go back to them days. But it was great, I, mate. We can talk a bit of ruggers if you want. Well, first thing I will say, Jim, is you did well. I'll be honest. Don't worry about that damn bigger thing. I appreciate your sentiment, but he's an honest bloke, isn't he? He'd be like, well, yeah, I am competing. But as I said to you on the phone, I thought you did really well. Uh, apart from outraging after the game, were you? I-, I can't believe you weren't chuffed for Finn, to be honest, but you were raging. Mate, I, were, I weren't raging. I was, I was more gutted. I was more sad. Not because Saracens weren't in another final, uh, just more sad for someone like Brad Barrett, who I've always said um, is one of the best, if not the best captain I've ever played under four alongside I mean a man of I was gonna I was gonna joke then and say you know you've got two great leaders on the field doing their thing and give it that but I can't because he is in a, on a different planet when it comes to that I know that Wigglesworth's leaving as well he's still looking for a club but I was just sad because a lot's happened in and around the club I, I've been involved in their story along the way and I put a tweet out and I looked at a bit of the interaction and naturally you're getting shit off people but you know we've spoken about it before there's stuff at Saracens that you only kind of know if you've been on the inside. Now, it's not all perfect. It's not all enjoyable. I, I've questioned things on here about the kind of way I went about my business playing for the club and did I get looked after as much as Amaru and George? Like We've spoken honestly about them things. I've spoken honestly about them things. But ultimately, and I'll say it again, Nigel Ray and some of the people around the club, I genuinely believe are amazing people and it is the end of a story for them. It's the end of the chapter. They're in a rebuilding phase. And you think about the situation that we find ourselves in in this pandemic, which is endless and seems like there's no way out at the minute. A club owner like Nigel Ray and many of the club owners, but in business and stuff like that, the amount of money they would have lost during the pandemic, but the fine that they had as well, they're going to be playing in the championship. There's no money being made there from their initial investment and yes they've been punished I don't want to go into too much detail about that I'm just a little bit sad that's all but there's also a part of me that's really proud that I've been a part of that book one two or three whichever book you want to call it Goody was potentially part of one of the books if they want to call it that I mean it was a dirty book not a rude one but they weren't in a good place were they Goody when you were there at the start Um, and they've obviously changed a lot of things and that's all. I mean, you know, ultimately, I walked out and it was like the end of a movie. I walked out of Allianz Park. People were screaming my name, um, come back, Big Jim. And I, I won't. I can't. Not this time. Not until they get back in the Prem or Europe. I might go down and watch them play Cornish Pirates. I don't know. So you're a glory seeker, is what you're saying? You know me. I have to be. <laughs> Mate, I have to be. Played yeah. for Scotland for 10 years. Well, I, I want to call you up on your tweet, actually, because I get the sentiment. But one thing I want to ask you, and you end it with... Until you're in the circle, you'll never truly know. And that's not, is that never truly know how many houses each one's got? Because you've all got 20-odd houses or something. No, it's like the circle of life. The circle of life. No, and that's what I mean, that people know. Uh, I don't want to go into any more detail because we are going over a little bit of old ground. But the question or the statement that you've just posed, I'm sure, is what some people would say as well. I can hand on heart tell you now, right? I was at Montpellier getting paid over double what Saracens offered me to get paid. So I signed for Saracens, not for the money. And I would have been miles better off being at Montpellier, probably going into Pro D2, playing against the bin men, and then taking the chômage. My experiences at Saracens and my fondness for that club, hand on heart, I swear on my life, and anyone else's life you're allowed to swear on if you can do that, because like my uncle's harder than yours. Um, hand on heart can tell you that it, my experiences there, my good times I had, had nothing to do with money. But... I know what you're going to say. 
my experiences were better there enhanced because we had better players, blah de blah blah I don't care. I put the tweet out, it's the end of the story for me. The epilogue is now beginning <laughs> as as we talk now. What is an epilogue anyway? I saw it in James Hook's book and I had no idea what it meant. There's the cliffhanger. Right now, I find myself in the epilogue. Oh, you were in the epilogue about three years ago, Jim, when you left, but hey. Yeah, okay. We, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hand, hand on heart, but mate, hey, but they it, nearly won again, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, actually, before we get into the game, you, know, you, you talk about it is the end of an era for Saracens. You know, they, they lose the semi-final, they're going to get relegated. A lot of the players are saying they don't know what the next six, nine, 12 months looks like now because who knows what's going to happen with the state of rugby and, and, and whether the championship will get kicked in and started again at some point. So there is there are loads of questions. You know, they have achieved a huge amount and they have achieved it in Europe where they haven't broken any rules around salary cap, but a lot of people would say they had that success because of the ability um to break the premiership salary cap. And yeah, it is a, it is sad for a lot of people. Brad Barrett has been a huge servant to that club. Uh, he's a man of honor, he's a man that leads, you know, from the front and leaves everything on the field and don't get me wrong, all the boys have been remunerated very well and there's various different things around the whys and wherefores of what's happened so some people won't feel any pain towards Saracens at all because they'll say well you know they've got their just desserts finally they've been caught everything's tarnished blah 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 but like Jim says when you've been in that you know you see Richard Wigglesworth talking doing an interview after the game and how much it meant to him um, and how hard it was you know it's 10 years of his life you know no matter how much has gone on behind the scenes and all those players are party to it because yes you know, you, they get the deals they and, and whatever happens. But it's 10 years of Wiggy's life that's just come to an end. Um, you know, but it's like that for every player that leaves a club. Jim had wonderful memories there. You have to move on. And it is like sport, you know, it's cyclical. Saris have had their time. And unfortunately now for them, they've got to go through some tough times to try and bounce back and, and get back up to the highs that they've they've been used to. And they weren't far away from actually doing it again, though, were they? Was it just their bench strength, do you think, where they came up short? Well, the, the one big opportunity where they could have taken the game properly away from Racing was uh, when Lewington went through. He dived on the ball. And to be fair to Racing, and what you don't normally see with French teams is when there's a break like that, you don't normally see them working back. But they were sprinting back like their lives depended on it. And Lewington, you know, he, he really should have hacked it through. But I think the ball bounced up awkwardly and, you know, that was it effectively. It was interesting. You say that about a French team and you say that, you know, normally a French team gives up. If you look back on the game and look back at that exact moment, Vakatawa, international outside centre, ridiculously quick, has just thrown his hands in the air as if to say, Nigel, they're offside. And actually, Billy wasn't offside. So if Lewington scores that, it's game over. Because it gets checked, 100% it gets checked. And, you know, I'd looked at it back and he's onside. So, But Vakatawa gave up the ghost. He threw his hands in the air as if to say, oh, no, 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 even though he's Fijian. But the interesting one for me, if you watch it back, the fellow who wins the race for Racing to get back and tackle Lewington, it was actually Collinger, the prop. So if you're Racing's coaches now, you're looking at that video going, that kid has saved us. Because he, he, he's, a, he's a reserve prop. He's got back quicker than anyone else in his team. Vakatawa has held his hands in the air and just stood there thinking, well, we're going to get a penalty for offside. He saved them. Because he gets back, makes the tackle, and then obviously... A few phases later, the panic then sets in and everyone gets back in the defensive line. And I think Alex Goode gave a penalty away for coming in at the side or something, um, which ended it. But no shadow of a doubt, two major things in that game that changed the course of that game. Lewington, if he scores that and, you know, a more, 
I sound harsh saying this, but, um, you know, had they've kept someone like Chris Ashton and you go, you know, you talk about salary cap. What do you mean? Who's talking, who's talking about salary cap? He left because he wanted to. Yeah, but I'm just saying, okay, so if you've, if you've, if you're still breaking the salary cap and you've got an international winger, and Lewington's a good player, but an international winger probably finishes that. It's game over. And then the other thing, the real sad thing, and I thought the big turning point actually was Saracens were still in the fight when Brad Barrett goes off with concussion. That is where the game suddenly changed because everything was built around Saracens' defence and stopping Rassing at source. And Brad was the leader in that. So the big turning point for me, and I thought where it would come unhinged for, for Saracens, is when he got knocked out. He's tackling people with his face again. As soon as he goes off, you know that the defensive linchpin has gone. The leader's gone. Vunapola comes on at 10. Good player. They put Good back to fullback. Elliot Daly comes to 13. Don Morris, who I thought was fucking outstanding. He's, He's a brilliant good, player. He, is. He's he good, moves he is. to 12. So there's a lot of little changes there. And then ultimately, you know, Finn produces a bit of magic. But the two. Oh, no, points. no, no. It's not magic. Mate, Dan, Dan Bigger said that's the easy bit, quote unquote. Oh, the chip. He said that that's the easy bit. I looked at him like I just swallowed a testicle. I, di- I didn't know what he meant. He yeah. said, but I mean, what a try that was, eh? Yeah, yeah. But you think about if Brad had been there, I'm sure there wouldn't have been, you know, he'd have been cajoling people into position to to cover the chip space. And just a, as a talker, you know, I was surprised that that space did develop. And, you know, it was a unbelievable bit of play that, you know, Vakatawa nearly dropped it, bounced off his head, didn't it? Did you see him? He's gone through and it's bouncing everywhere. He gets it back. But the good the thing about Finn Russell that no one else has really talked about, like Dan Bigger says, the chip, I'm, if I, if that's me, I'm looking at the chip and I'm just celebrating going, my God, I've pulled it off. But no, Finn Russell chips it and goes and gets the second touch, which then creates the, the try because him off. Finn clearly hasn't got the uh, the pace to get there because Elliot Daly's coming back. But him off comes up on his outside shoulder and boom, there's the try and... Many people were celebrating, weren't they, Jim? Mate, nothing in it though, was there? So, slippers off to Finn, and I tweeted about it. Mate, a Scotsman's going to win the, the Champions Cup. A Scotsman or four? There's only a few of us that have done it, Andrew. There's only a few of us. There's only a few uh, greats a few that have Scots. done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Exeter just had a little bit too much. It was pretty tight in the other semi final, but they just had a little bit too much for Toulouse, didn't they? Yeah, and, t- you know, Toulouse came big and strong and, and went into a lead, and you then start to think, you know, have Exeter got this? top tier level of, of of rugby at you know the higher echelons of European uh, Champions Cup rugby and, and they answered the question you know they, they rode the storm you know they came back they went back to their to type they were obviously playing with a lot of possession but they scored a couple of tries in that first half the old pick and goo how'd you stop it I mean Luke Karen Sicky again with a tap and tap penalty tap and goo to get them pretty close and, and then they you know Simmons is he ain't massive but he is some player isn't he like he's he's one of them that surely you can't ignore. Like Don no. Almond or what you know. Might, well, he, he he didn't he didn't come through. He wasn't picked, was he? But you're watching Sam Simmons, and you could list a load. We obviously spoke uh, to Jack Willis again. You've got Curry, you've got Underhill, you've got Ben Earl, who's standing out as well. But it's the big games, right, where you want to try and stand out against you know your Toulouse's and your quarterfinals, your semi-finals when it really matters. Mate, that lad's ridiculous. Yeah. Can I ask you something on this though, Jim? Go on. Because what's changed for you? Because I'll be honest. Yeah, I know. I've been saying this for quite some time and you're like, nah, he ain't got it. He ain't got it. No, I said, yeah. I, no, I didn't say that. I, I thought that, I might have said it, I probably did. <laughs> um, I, I just thought he was missing something. I don't like something, 
a bit of X Factor or whatever. About, and, about 30 kilos, probably. That, yeah, but exactly, there's that. But how tested has he been? Just how testicles. Pre- yeah, how testicles has he been? But now, mate, it's the big games that matter, doesn't it? And this is why, you know, Ben Earl, we'll get to see him, in, you know, obviously played against Bordeaux. But you're playing in the biggest competition, club competition in the world. And he's, he's standout, as is his brother. You look at that extra team, they're on the start of a journey. And everyone talks about this journey where they've come from. Look at that starting team. There isn't many old men, or if any old men, in that starting team. I think probably Hoggy's the oldest bloke, isn't he? He looks 70. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. And Witten looks old as well. But, you know, you talk about the names. Simmons boys, they're both young kids. Maunder at nine. Uh, you know, Noel on the wing. Slade, he's young as well, still. You know, you go into the forward pack. There's young boys there as well. It's not an old team, and they've made a European final. And this, they could set something up here for potentially looking at dynasties of, of of. It's their time to try and dominate European rugby for quite some time. When you say dynasty, I just think of duck. Someone tell me why. Someone said dynasty at the weekend, and I thought duck. No idea. No. Anyway, the millions of listeners might be able to answer that. Okay. Dynasty and duck. Please, can someone tell me what that means? Dynasty duck. Well, we had the the quarterfinal. Man of the match on the show last week, Jacques Vermeulen, and then he got dropped for the semi final. Was it th- something we said, or was he dropped or not? I thought he was injured. I think he was you dropped. Judas, Tim, oh, producer Tim's fault. <laughs> well, it used to work the other way, didn't it? So we'd get, and it's happened twice now. So we'd get people on. Lo and behold, a few weeks later, they are through the roof playing international rugby. This season, all of a sudden, we had Jack Vermeulen last week, man of the match. He calls Rob Baxter, Sir Rob Baxter, doesn't get picked in the semi final. I'm thinking, wow, what's going on? You go back a few weeks. Oh, John Cooney didn't play that well, did he? Got hooked at half time in one game after being our correspondent, our Celtic correspondent. Well, we'll find out, mate. If Exeter <laughs> go under this week, having Tony Rowe on the pod, mate, well, then uh, we don't want any more guests, please. <laughs> well, we can have a chat now to the man who has been the driving force behind the Chiefs' rise up the leagues and now to the Champions Cup final. Exeter CEO and Chairman Tony Rowe joins us. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Well, thanks for coming on, mate. I just want to start with a real easy question for you. Um, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into the depths of everything that's gone on at Exeter over the last sort of 10, 11 years. But what I want to know is, how did you feel on Sunday morning after sinking hopefully quite a few beers in celebration from the, the victory on Saturday? Rough. <laughs> I, mean, I mean it was a bit of an anti-climax as you can imagine Andy I mean you've, you've been in, in finals or semi-finals like that and, and and the thing was that it was really fantastic but only when I went back in the changing room with the lads you understand yeah and then then I, I had to leave them and uh, I think somebody smuggled some beer in disguised as water and uh, I went back upstairs because uh, we're only allowed uh, a, a couple of people in the game. My wife was there and that. And uh, then uh, I was feeling a bit lonely. So I, I buzzed down to Rob Baxter and said, look, mate, you know, why don't you come upstairs with the coaches? Uh, wrong thing to do. Wrong thing to do. I mean, he couldn't because he was going home. But um, uh, all, of this, all the coaches then descended on the backs this week, drunk as dry. Uh, and and I yesterday morning, mate, I I, I was a bit of a mess, you know. <laughs> well, if you think you were rough yesterday morning, imagine if you make it through. Look, I think it's a huge congratulations. I know you haven't won it yet, but I think the Exeter story and everyone knows about it now. And we can maybe delve a little bit deeper into that. I think what is a real travesty, and we can get into it, is the people that have been along that journey with you for many many years. 
uh, the families that are normally at the stadium to enjoy them big moments. I know there's still one more to go, but still making a final of the of the European Cup is is, is an unbelievable task and an unbelievable place to be as a club. But how bittersweet was it to be on the field after with them celebrations, but there's no one there to enjoy it with you at home? It is. It's bittersweet because, you know, uh, uh, everybody knows what, you know, my ambition, the club's ambition and Rob's ambition is. And we're within touching distance. So nobody's there to share it. And, and of course, the way they're televising it now is that when you're sat at home watching the game, you get a bit of an atmosphere because they're dubbing it over the top. But when you're actually in the ground, uh, it is a bit, there's a that, that hollow silence. Um, and it is, it is a shame, really, because, you know, we got some some fantastic supporters at Exeter and, and they just couldn't be there, you know, on the day. But, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, we just got to just be grateful, I suppose, that we're still here, still alive. And uh, we just got to get through this horrible thing, you know, and get out the other side. Yes, yeah, certainly. One of the things I want to ask you, obviously, you're a passionate owner. Um, you know, you're massively integral to how things work at Exeter. On match day, how vocal are you in the stands? Are you a shouter? Are you someone that gets involved? And, um, you know, because you see, you see the fans and obviously being uh, the owner yourself now, you're in the stadium. If you're shouting those things, people can probably hear it now. Whereas before, everyone's shouting stuff. So do you have to be a bit more careful around what you're shouting? Yeah, I mean, we were. I mean, there was <laughs> on Saturday also, uh, we, you know, we there was a, a half a dozen of us trying to make a noise for uh, fourteen thousand people, and there was also the you know the subs and uh, uh, the extras on the bench. But uh, we we made as much noise as we could, Andy. I mean, and uh, uh, well, that's why I needed a lot of uh, a lot of medicine afterwards. Of <laughs> boat, you know, <laughs> Exeter medicine. Uh, one of the other things I think, uh, again, looking at you, you, the team and the squad that you've built over the years, is at the end of the match even before the match and you watch the team that's put out there is the amount of local lads and lads from that part of the country are playing. I mean, you must be exceptionally proud. There must be something. I can't think of another team that have, have that many kind of homegrown players playing for like, you know, a club out with London or or one of the clubs, you know, over in Paris or something like that. And I, I say that in terms of being a big kind of capital city. Whereas you're in Exeter, it's a you know it's a long way away from everywhere else, as it were, and you've got all these lads that have grown up together, the the same ethos, the same culture, desperate to play for Exeter, and they're there, and you're now in a final. How special is that with these young lads? That that is special. That is special. I mean, you know, I, I when I went in this morning, I always put my head in the in in, in the, uh, a couple of the rooms to see what's around, and 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 you know, in particular, there was was debuters, uh, Jack Noel, and. and and, and Lukey, Lukey Cohen Dickey. And there's three lads that came through our academy structure. Uh, and I've known them since literally they were at school. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of camaraderie there. There's a lot of, uh, I, I know it's an old cliche about the family, but we are family. I mean, and, and there was a lot of ribbing going on. Just just the four of us sat there chatting this morning, uh, you know, and uh, Dickey telling, Jack, that he wasn't a true Cornishman, but I'm not going to tell you why. But I mean, you know, just uh, it, 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 uh, and, and we have that. I mean, we got we got a number of lads that have come through. I think we uh, starting on Saturday. I think there was nine. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was nine starting lads who, who were who come through our academy structure, and and it's just brilliant because we know them. We you know they know us, and and it's got to be got to be our fault if we lose them. If you know what I mean, it, it's. A lot of players are very transient. They, they you know, they, they 
they pop up here and then two years later they pop up in another club. But I'd like to think that a lot of our homegrown boys are going to stay. And, and, and another reason for that is, which you quite rightly said, you know, we're, we're on a bit of a peninsula where, we're, 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 you know, and it's a lovely place to live. Yeah. Unless, unless we do something to upset the boys, unless the coaches upset them uh, or their ambition is greater than the clubs, I don't think we'll lose them. I, don't, I would like to think we wouldn't lose them, uh, which means that in time you just amass more and more of your, of your own grown talent. You know, I mean, Rob and I share an ambition to one day uh, see a premiership team we put on the field of all homegrown players. And we're, we're about we're about 60% of the way there at the moment. Yeah, mate, that's outstanding. And I think, um, you know, people talk about the culture of Exeter and, and everything that's going on there and the building from, from the bottom up. So, you know, you hear all the stories over the weekend of the rise last time, or sorry, one of the first times that Toulouse won the Champions Cup. Uh, you guys were playing in division, the equivalent of Division 4. So the, the rise has been meteoric. You must get actually bored now of people saying, you know, the extra <laughs> story is great because you're living in the here and now. And, you know, you talk about a lot of the the kids at the club that have come through the academy. You look at this next wave now, the Simmons boys, they're so young. Um, yeah. absolutely brilliant you've got Maunder as well you know I looked across that extra team and the exciting thing for you is yes you're in the here and now in the Champions Cup final and you know you're definitely going to be in the, the Premiership semis probably the final but this squad has got growth again for another four, five, six, seven years hasn't it so it's not just about the here and now it's about the future as well isn't it it is and, and you know and if you if you look at what Rob will only bring people in in positions where you know we can't always choose what comes out of our academy Andy yeah you meet them you know we, we, we were desperate for for a, a good international fullback and that, that you know uh, uh, and, and so you know we, we went off and got hoggy and, and second row is so important and and it, again you know brought into Johnny, and, and but the, if you look at the age group of the people he brings in, we, we're not bringing in journeymen. We're, we're bringing in guys that sort of same similar age group to the guys we got. So, so they add to it, and, and hopefully they should stay with us because the bulk of our, our first choice lads are what are they from about twenty two, twenty three through to about twenty seven. So, in theory, we we, we if we look after them. We've got another three or four years at least out of them, you know? Yeah, and you mentioned the recruitment and stuff, and we had uh, Jacques Vermeulen on last week. Uh, he was brilliant. So the, the selection that, that you've gone through there in terms of recruitment's great. Johnny and Hoggy, I know them both personally, really good guys. Where does the problem come as a club when these guys start doing really, really well? So when the Simmons boys end up making the step up, which seems inevitable now, especially now you're in the final because Eddie will want to pick the very best players and both the Simmons boys deserve that opportunity. Uh, the Lions tours on the horizon and with that becomes, you know, the dreaded salary increases and we've seen one of the teams struggling to manage that. How, how do you manage that? To, to a certain degree, they may want some more money, but there's a, there's a limit to, to, to what, you know, I mean, a lot of the lads, I think, are very sensible. I'm not sure about their agents, but a lot of the lads are very sensible. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I hope Joe and Sam are listening or not listening. I'm not sure what I'm about to say, but they're, they're local lads. They're, they're Timmouth boys. I know that they uh, that they enjoy living at home or living in the locality of their parents. And, and you know, I've been at the Timmouth Rugby Club when they've gone back down there. And, and, and they're just normal lads. Now, if you want to give that up and move on to another club, you've got to have good reason because 
unless somebody wants to pay absolutely squillions for you, you know, nobody's going to make you an offer that you've got to think about the, what, the value of living in the West Country, living close to home, mum cooking your Sunday lunch now and again, and just the friendship and that. I mean, you know, you guys that have been around the rugby clubs and you've done it, you've gone from one club to another and it isn't it isn't easy, some of the places you've got to go and live with, with, with you know, play rugby there's not a lot of choice in, in England so you got to go to, to France do you want to go to France no I, don't know. I mean you know <laughs> we so, both did <laughs> so so the reality is that the, the good thing we got going for us at Exeter it's a really lovely place to live you get to talk to me now and again and so we sort of got that on our side a little bit and so provided we pay the going price for these lads uh, you know, we'll hang on to them. But you, you're on there about succession, but uh, you will remember a, a couple of weeks ago we put our change-up squad out. Now, that change-up squad's going to be running out on Wednesday night. And uh, all the media was saying, well, there's the second-best team in the Premiership. Well, that, the majority of that is made up of our academy boys, the next string, the, the guys coming through. And so, uh, although we will... Perhaps we'll lose some of our key players uh, in, t- in, in time. They may get injured and not be able to play or, 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 or you know, we'll, we'll take for instance, I mean, next year or this, this autumn, we're expecting to lose probably eight guys, eight, nine guys. Uh, and so our, our sort of change-up boys have got to be ready to step in and take their place and uh, I'm pretty certain, not that I get involved in what Rob says to him, but I'm pretty certain that Rob will expect them to perform uh, the same as their their teammate who's gone on to play for their country. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not over-worried about it. We, it, it. We've got a big squad. we pay to the maximum salary cap. And... Uh, We've just got to manage him, and Rob does a very good job of that. Yeah, and how much do you want to see the guys go on? I know it sounds like a throwaway question, a bit of a stupid question, but there's a, a load of lads that deserve a look in now off Eddie Jones. Johnny Hill being another one that needs to come into contention. The Simmons brothers, we mentioned that, whether Joe decides that he's um, he's had an Irish Wolf fan before and can play for Ireland as well. But with all that stuff, and obviously losing Hoggy and Johnny, how desperate are you for the, for the English qualified guys to go on and pull that white jersey on? Uh, we want them to. We always want our lads to 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 succeed internationally. If that's if that's if they're good enough, you know, we we get a lot of satisfaction, a lot of pleasure out of seeing those boys running out and representing their country. But that's the challenge that we've got. You know, we've got a fantastic academy. Uh, you know, and I had some numbers the, uh, over the weekend from our, my academy manager uh, within Devon and Cornwall. Because we do the, the the year groups of the boys coming through from from the age of thirteen plus uh, plus the women now. Uh, I mean, in a given season, we're coaching two and a half thousand kids through our academies, uh, and, and and so if there's talent out there in the West Country, we'll spot it uh, and we'll make sure we look after it and bring it through. And I'm very confident that, that our academy structure, that uh, we'll find all the young boys to come through and, and replace our, our current international at the moment when they become old men and Eddie doesn't want them anymore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, an amazing stat that I'm sure, you know, a lot of clubs will be envious of. But also within that, um, you mentioned Rob there a lot. What's your relationship like with Rob? Because obviously there's been a lot of success, but 
as an owner, how hands-on are you in terms of some of the decisions that get made? Do you give him carte blanche to do what he wants? Or, um, you know, we've seen other owners at other clubs that get involved in selection. I don't think that's you. But obviously, when it's a lot of your pounds and pennies going into the club, um, and especially at the current time, um, you want to make sure, you know, it's been spent the right way. And, and, and therefore, that's the question. How, how much do you get involved with where every little penny spent? I'm not the owner of the club, but that's another long story. All right? Oh, okay. okay. Uh, you but, can tell us. <laughs> but with, with Rob, I've been at the club since 93. Rob came back from Gloucester in 94. I think he went away in 93 and came back. And now I've worked with Rob for, what, like 26 years. And uh, when he was when he was uh, captain uh, and, and we had, I had to let the remnant of the coach go, I, I talked with Rob then, and 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 I saw in Rob back then uh, that he had the ability to actually do more than just be a, a, a rugby player, and and we've just sort of had this uh, this working relationship that we, we we don't make set appointments to discuss with each other what we're doing. Uh, I think only in the last week he said oh uh, what's your views on so and so and i told him he said oh that's right i just said that in an interview so we, we both we both think very much the same we both have, have similar ambitions for the club and and you, you probably asked me the question am i fearful of him in leaving the club no i'm not i think in time in time he, he may want to i know he, his ambition is to be able to uh, uh, not only win win uh, the Premiership, but also be director of rugby of a, of a European Championship side. But we want to be serial winners. Don't want to just do it once. Don't want to be a well, we did win it once club. So yeah, and I, I let him get on. I mean, I've had uh, a meeting with him today, uh, but that was only because he needed to be involved in the meeting discussing the women's interaction with our own interaction. But I leave him to get on and, and, and do the coaching and run the, run the, uh, all that set up. Uh, he discusses some of the stuff around it that, that I really need to know. A lot of it I don't need to know. And he leaves me to deal with, I deal with all the commercial side. So I make sure that he has uh, A, the facilities and B, the money he needs to go out there uh, and, and get the best out of, out of the lads he's got. And it, and it works, you know. We get on very well. Generally, we'll we'll go off on our own once a year and have a bit of grub and a, and a few beers together. Uh, and and then, you know, we just chat about about our general relationship, which is is great. I mean, I've, I don't have any issues with him, and I don't think he has any issues with me. Yeah. Well, you corrected me then. You said I'd, I'd said that you were the owner, and you, you corrected me and said that you weren't the owner. I know it's a PLC. What you are the money man, though, right? I am the money man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my my my, co- my company is. Uh, you know, I mean, I I appeared at the club in '93 uh, as a sponsor. It was Rob's father, John Baxter, who uh, one of the committee asked me whether I'd sponsor the club. They were desperate for money, and I met with John Baxter. And, you know, going right back then, I, I wanted to see if I could buy the club or get a, a financial involvement. Uh, and it was very complicated in them days because the club was actually owned by another company that went back nearly 100 years. Very complicated setup. Anyway, the reality is it's a members club and uh, I was very much involved uh, from about 94 to 
98 on getting them back on the road commercially, getting their things sorted out. And then with professionalism in 96, the club was falling away. And, and uh, I was asked my opinion uh, what they should what they should do. And so I said, look, you need to form a limited company. You need to get a, you know, forget committees. You're never going to make decisions. You need to, uh, to run the club as a business and this, that and the other. Anyway, uh, I went off on a skiing holiday in early 98 to come back to find that I was a director of this company, but they'd elected me as a, as a chairman and what have you. And off it went. And, and I, I had to accept the fact that did I want to fulfil my ambition of seeing Exeter as a premiership club and the best club in, in, in Europe? Or, or was it just a, a short-term job to get them underway? And I, and I took on the role and uh, off we went. And I've used my business to support the club. But the other side of that is that my business gets a lot of business from rugby. Uh, within the West Country, we sponsor... Well, a lot of rugby in the West Country, not just... We actually sponsored down at Plymouth Albion and, uh, you know, quite a lot of other clubs. And and I sort of semi-retired from my business some 15, 16 years ago, so I get great enjoyment out of using my skills to get Exeter commercially where it needs to be to enable Rob to be able to do his job properly. And I enjoy it. Well, you look like you do. You and Rob together on the field, and naturally, when you're winning games and success, it, it's it's easier to enjoy. It, I'm sure. Well, he told me off once. He he did tell me off a few years ago on about winning games. It was probably eleven years ago, and he said to me, Tony. He said, "It's nice of you to come here. The boys love to see you when we win, but they also want to see you when we lose." I said, right, Rob, I'll take it on board. So you've got to be with them through thick and thin. Well, that's more That's more so they, you can put pressure on them. So if they see <laughs> if they see the boss coming in, they know it's not good enough. Uh, just while we've got you, Tony, because I know you've been quite vocal around the state of the game at the minute. Just to our listeners and the millions of viewers that, that will see this from your perspective, what fucking state is the game in at the minute? I mean, we can't work it out. Uh, we, we don't know where it's going. Uh, it's obviously crazy times. I don't want to take away the shine of you guys making the final because it should be positive and upbeat. But if we're speaking frankly, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? I mean, where are we as of today? It is a hell of a mess. And, and you know, you know, in a way, if you rewind a year ago, uh, the CVC money, they, they, you know, the Premiership had done the deal. There was a, an expectation of clubs getting back on their feet properly, uh, the game moving forward, and and you know it's this COVID thing. I, I'm, it is just it, it disastrous, and you know I mean I, I I'm going on the call now with all the other chairman uh, of the clubs. We 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 need the government to help us. You know, as a league, uh, we need the government to help us. Fortunately, at Exeter, we, we, we're, we're fairly good there and, and, and uh, you know, we'll scrape through it by the fingernails. But I'm afraid unless the government do something, we're in, we're in trouble in the Premiership because we, we, we need, we're not rich like the football clubs and, and we need the gate money. We need the bums on seats to, to actually be able to afford to do what we're doing. And this is just putting even more pressure on us when we were, just trying to get through and get the game and it's all underway again. I know. It is it's a bit of a mess. 
And, and just on that note, a couple of questions around it. Can you see some clubs actually potentially going bust if the government don't step in? And B, um, is one of the things that the clubs are talking about that you may delay the start to the Premiership next year till we can actually get some bodies in the stadium because clubs are hemorrhaging money left, right and centre? I'm not sure, Andy. I mean, we, we, are, we are in Exeter genuinely shedding a million pounds a month. Wow. You know me? Uh, and, and 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 as you know, having been involved in quite recently, most of the clubs are structured the same. Most of the clubs uh, have got the same sort of turnovers, same sort of wages. And so, you know, any business can't afford to just, you know, lose a million pound a month. And you know, if we if we can't have bums on seats through to you know next March or beyond that, it's going to be really challenging for some of the clubs. But having said that. We have been told by, because uh, we're all working very hard to get some, some sort of government support. And, and the government have indicated that uh, uh, that they will not let uh, a club flounder. But um, I'm, I'm, I don't know what that means, mate. You know, I, I, uh, I hope I'm not saying the wrong thing, but we, we need an injection. The, the, the PRL needs an injection of about £100 million. Uh, and then we get through to the end of season. With nobody on, no no bums on seats. But uh, even then, some clubs are still be struggling. I mean, we we're projecting if we have to go the whole season with no no uh, uh, no supporters in the ground, our losses through COVID. Say, for instance, we can get to the end. We go to the end of the season. Our losses as a club are going to be around twelve million pound, and and that's that's a lot. It's a lot to make up, and it's the debt. The clubs that have got the assets that they've been able to borrow the money. Or, or borrow the money, and you know, you, you, it's a debt, and anybody in business will tell you, you know, you, you don't want debt, you've got a service debt, and, and you know, with the clubs pre COVID just getting back on their feet, not many of the clubs were making any money, if, if, if any at all, and that was without the, this sort of debt. So, if each of these clubs have got debt running, say, from eight to 12 million pounds, that's a big debt to carry around in, in, in an industry where you don't make a lot of money. So uh, it is challenging times financially for all the clubs. Right, Tony. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Best of luck navigating your way through um, all this off-the-field financial situation. And, of course, uh, best of luck doing the double this year with the Champions Cup and the Premiership. Well, I'll be honest. I hope Exeter Chiefs win the the European Champions Cup, but not the Premiership. I hope Wasps win that. Sorry, <laughs> Tony. Great to have you on, but I've got to back my team. <laughs> we, we play, we play them, we play them the last game. Last the game, season, yeah, you do. I'll come back to you in a few weeks' time. This hopefully with two cups. All right. <laughs> Wish you all the best, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Good luck Tony. this weekend. Thank you. Good lad. Great bloke. Great, but it's great. I mean, great to have him on actually. Although he did put me back in my box that he's not the owner. But who knew? I thought he was. I thought he was. I tell you what. I tell you what. Before we come on to that, he didn't like me, did he? Well, you're a Saracen, mate. You, you, you know, he he sees that as you being part of the salary cap issue. Well, the, the funny thing about it is, is after every question, he was like, "Well, Andy, yes, he was. <laughs> he was. It was, was. He was acknowledging you." 2016, I ripped the title away from Exeter with that turnover, the line-out sack of the mall from under his nose, and that's why. <laughs> but he's still a good lad. He's, he's still got, a good lad for coming he's got on. Very good reason. But yeah, I mean, it's great to have him on. Let's be honest. You know, we had Simon Orange on a few weeks back, um, who's one of the owners of Sale. You know, everyone knows that. Tony Rose, the money man behind uh, Exeter Chiefs. So yes, it's a, a limited company, PLC, call it what you will, and 
SW comms are, are part of that. Um, but he is the driving force. He, as he said, he's been the driving force. But it's great to have him on and, and just hear some truths around the game. Like a million quid a month that they're burning through. And we talked about pre-COVID. The game wasn't sustainable then, was it? So then you come into making wage cuts and everything like that to keep clubs afloat. And hopefully what he did say at the end where the government have said that clubs won't go to the wall and they'll hopefully make sure that doesn't happen rings true because there's going to need to be a lot of help if we can't get bums on seats until March. Aside from the financial aspect, it is, and I'm going to swear, it's a fucking travesty that they go to a final with no fans and their families can't come. I think I, I don't care. I'm quite happy to put myself out there. I think this. I think what we find ourselves in is absolutely ridiculous, and I do feel sorry for them. Uh, not just them. I feel sorry for all the clubs. But if we're talking specifically on Exeter and the journey that they've been on, mate, they're in the final of the biggest club competition in the world, and no one can be there to enjoy that with them, whether they win or whether they lose. It is an absolute travesty. Fucking hate China. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously, like, man, um, you know, forget me at home in my garage and having to drive hours and hours just to get to a game to to go and talk and give my superficial opinion. You've got a club that have invested millions of pounds, time, energy, emotion, you know, the history of a city, everything they've been through, and no one can enjoy that with them. So it's interesting. I, I completely agree. And it is a real shame. They won't perhaps see that. They'll just be purely focused on winning the trophy. But, you know, I compare it to my weekend. Saturday, I'm commentating on Toulon against Leicester. And, Big one. Yeah. But you, you're looking at the game, and you do your research, you get all the notes, and you, you, you talk about fans in stadia, because we've seen them over in France, right? The rules for their game, Toulon's game at the weekend, was there was supposed, to be, where you're going. There was supposed to be a thousand people maximum <laughs> in the stadium. Well, I'm commentating on that. I'm seeing all the camera angles. I'm seeing the lot. There's 10,000 people in there. They don't care. <laughs> right? so there's a, a European semi-final there. Paul Exeter, I've got absolutely no one except just the players and uh, Tony Rowan, you know, his wife's there and maybe two other people. But Toulon are taking the piss with 10,000 people in the stadium. I p- was listening to the game as I was driving and I heard you mention it and then I, I glanced down. I had to pull over. I took a screen grab of it and I'm sat there in the car counting <laughs> all the heads. Mate, I got to about 3,000. I, I thought they were fake. I thought they were fake heads. You know, like people Mate, all the heads in the crowd. Let's just sack it off. Just let the fans come in. That's what Jack Noel said last week, didn't he, on Twitter? Well, you can see the frustration, can't you, yeah, you can. of the players? And people have their own opinion. Let them have their opinion, all right? And we're entitled to ours as well. My opinion is is we just need to try and move, move life forward in some way because life as we know it, COVID aside, we lose rugby and we lose other sports and, you know, people are losing their jobs, mental health and all that. What we're at greater risk of, in my opinion, all right? And my opinion means nothing, but... We've got a platform to say it, so I'm bloody saying it. Well, Goody, what do you think Boris should do, mate? Just print a load of money, mate. Just print money and hand it out. Uh, nice. You know, you can flippantly say anything. And in reality, yeah, the government, they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. Because there's always going to be, whatever decision they make with every kind of business, with every kind of sector, there's always going to be people that are going to disagree with it. So, you know, ultimately, you know, there was a big play around the arts and media, and they put some packages to them because obviously the footfall into theatres and everything like that just stopped. And they, you, don't, you don't want culturally that what the, the pillars of strength in our society are sport, um, going to the arts, the media, so theatres, cinema, bars, restaurants, pubs, those sort of things. If there's been aid packages for 
a lot of that stuff. And the, I think the big problem is you see Premier League football clubs and, you know, as much as they're losing money as well, they're losing money off making, a lot of them making a lot of money from TV revenue. All of the sports are nothing in comparison. So people just think elite level sport, there's loads of money in it. And, you know, someone somewhere can wear the loss. Well, you heard Tony Rowe say then, without government aid, six months time, there could be a load of premiership clubs go to the wall. But, you know, ultimately, I believe there has to be some sort of aid package, whether it's long-term loans that are interest-free, which allow clubs to pay them back once, you know, they recover as a business. You know, there's so many things that the government could be looking at, and you hope they are behind closed doors. Um, obviously, we heard Tony Rowe say there that the, all the owners and the chairman are getting together to talk about what they actually need, and, and there will be genuine fears. Tony Rowe at Exeter, they're probably, or they are, from all the accounts that have been published, the club that have, are the most financially viable business. I think they're the only club that turned a profit. Um, so you look at all the other 11 clubs, and 12 including Newcastle, who will come back into the Premiership, they're all hemorrhaging money pre-COVID. So, you know, like anything, unless you have aid from the government or can cut costs, and again, just throw this one in there. What about all the talk that we had with about the players reducing their wages and how difficult that was? They might have to do it again. And it sounds horrific. And as ex-players, you never want to see people in that position. But if you're looking at a premiership club now, what is their biggest cost? biggest cost is player wages if you're hemorrhaging money and if you can't stay afloat as a business you either die you either get aid from the government another investor or you have to cut costs and the main cost could be player wages again and that is the worry we've seen clubs make loads of redundancies players have taken wage cuts but you could be sat here and i know damon hopley's come out and spoken about it in the press who's the chairman of the erpa you could have you know six clubs go bust there's six clubs left in the premiership and then Saracens in the championship but there's not enough jobs going around so all the players then are fighting for half as many jobs supply and demand would suggest that if the government or the don't come in and, and and help out these premiership clubs and that goes further down as well to the grassroots then you, you're only going to look at what are your biggest costs and try and cut those as well and that's unfortunately play wages Jim you're quite passionate about it what do you think Boris should do let us out. Mate, this was, you know, this was Goody's moment to talk about politics and he hasn't. He's given quite a calculated, smart answer. You want mine? Let us out. Simple as that. I ain't got nothing more to say about it and I, I can, I'm telling you now, I'm fed up with it now. They need to let us out. We let to, me you out. Know, you know, and I, I, I just... What do you mean let us out? Let us out of the house or let us into the stadiums? Everything. Just let us crack on. And I, I genuinely, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that as, as an easy thing to say and, and, and being stupid about it. I've got four kids in there. Do you know what I mean? I've got a wife, you know, we've got grandparents. Where one of the grandparents is really ill. So we're in similar situations to some people, but a lot of people are going to lose their jobs and rugby is going to fold. And you've got grassroots rugby as well, which if it hasn't already folded, they're gone. So I just don't know. This world that we live in at the minute, I just, I, I just, I can't get my head around what, what kind of direction we're going or, or, you know, what we're waiting for. And, you know, now we're heading into winter. Nothing's going to come. I'm just sad, mate. I'm just sad that I listened to Tony Rowe. You know, you're watching everything on the news. You know, my mates from grassroots rugby clubs and the money and, you know, half the people there have lost their jobs anyway. So they bloody couldn't buy a beer behind the bar anyway or buy the kids any rugby kit. 
Fucking travesty, mate. Um, but anyway, let's try and move on to something positive, please. We'll get to the rest of the weekend's action shortly, but don't forget to check out our Superfan subscription service at patreon.com for even more great rugby content. I caught up with Canada coach Kingsley Jones last week. Have a listen to this. I want to um, I want to go back a little bit on uh, Rob Rob Howley because I'm guessing you're you're quite quite close to him and had quite a bit to do with him. He's had a rough time of it, and uh, since the World Cup, uh, a lot of controversy surrounding him. How is he? He's doing well. I think you know the biggest thing for me uh, on it was I think the way he's handled himself in the last ten months has been really really admirable. I think you know he's he's had some challenges. I mean. Anyone who's been in the spotlight of coaching Wales, there's a lot of pressure involved in that role. He's been the head coach while Warren was away with Lions. A lot of responsibility. And then, you know, he's had some real personal things to deal with as well. The death of his sister. The way he's come out and been honest and transparent and the lessons he's learned about, you know, his his mistakes. I think no one's paid more of a price than Rob for that and to miss a Rugby World Cup with, with Wales and then, I'll be honest, it looked like he was going to be the Italian coach. It was probably cost him a role there. And, and also, more recently, I think COVID and a little bit of that, you know, other other teams like Wasps have been interested in him as well as as a coach. So we've we've capitalised, if you like, on um, that period in terms of being able to get him and give him an opportunity to get back into coaching. But yeah, he's he's been hit hard with that. And uh, and, and also the other stuff, he's he's first person to seek help. He's had counselling and uh, as I say, in himself, I think where this started was me reaching out to Rob in June uh, through COVID and asking if he fancied doing a, a, a fortnightly or a once a week Friday morning, lock it in, chat about rugby. Me and him on Skype just chatting about rugby and I tried to do that right throughout COVID with, I'm very lucky as you know, I mean, the Graham Henry, uh, Byron Hayward, these guys have been locked into my di- diary to have rugby conversations with throughout the COVID and uh Rob was one of them. And then after talking to him for a few weeks, I realized that his passion is there. He's ready, he's keen. And I, I suggested to him about how would he feel about coming back and helping us. And he was straight away, he was engaged. And I think it's something he, you'd have to speak to him, but I think it fits him where he wants to be right now perfectly. There you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that. It's just a few quid a month for loads of extra interviews and features, and we couldn't do it all without you. So a thank you to everyone who signed up for your support. Let's have a look at the Challenge Cup now. Goody, you were commentating on Leicester's defeat at Toulon in the Challenge Cup on Saturday night. What did you make of it, mate? First of all, there's been two games on that Toulon pitch in about eight months, and it was like a, a farmer's field had just been ploughed. It was shocking. Awful. Yeah, mate. Well, you saw that the first. I mean, how do you ref it? You, you say how do you ref it? I'll be honest, badly. Yeah, <laughs> mate. It's a shame because he's been brilliant, uh, Mike. As um, for the Pro 14 games that I've commentated on, talked him up a storm, mate. Probably got him the gig, to be honest. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> mate, he wasn't great. He wasn't great. And I'm only going off the back of listening to your comms. That's <laughs> he's not great because I didn't watch it. I just listened to it. So, mate, this is on you. If he, if yeah. he, he might have been great, oh, mate, this is I, on you. Um, so, there, you know, Leicester. The, First and foremost, you can only look at yourself, right? So, you know, if you make an error or, or when they get turnover, Mori Murivalu misses a tackle, you know, you could fix that by making the tackle, prevent the try. You know, the counter up for the second try, you could argue they came through the gate. I thought they came through the side. But then, let's be honest, the scramble defence was, I'll just say it, call it for what it is, piss poor. Like, 
you see some teams that work their asses off, and I don't know whether they just don't respect the defensive coach at Leicester or they don't like the system, but the scramble defence was, was poor. George Ford hasn't even tried to make the tackle. Dan Cole's got palmed off in his chest, and they're two tries down. And then, you you know, you look at the kicking game. Kicking game was poor. Um, you know, George Ford, it's weird, right, because he's a quality player, no shadow of a doubt, but sometimes when the shit hits the fan, and like at Leicester, when you, you know, you're the marquee player, you expect a marquee player to stand up, and he was poor. Leicester fought themselves back into the game just after half time, 20 points to 14 down. It's an easy three points to kick the penalty. George Ford says, no, I'm going to go for the corner, then kicks it dead. It's a momentum killer. Too long go up the other end, about five minutes later, score the try, and it's pretty much game over. So while Leicester didn't deserve to win, they didn't help themselves either, and I think that'll be the frustrating thing. It was a real cliffhanger in the other game, though, wasn't it? Bordeaux-Bristol. It's interesting. I'm watching it in the first half, and obviously Bristol's plan was to run it from everywhere to tire out what they thought was a big, cumbersome Bordeaux forward pack and try and tire them out and then run away with it in the second half. And Bordeaux, I think, went into a 13-0 lead. And Bristol were just trying to run everything from their own trial line, making errors, getting turned over, and their accuracy wasn't there. And you start thinking, what? Why are they doing this? Why don't they just put boot to ball sometimes? And you think back to when they came into the back into the Premiership and Pat Lamb's first year in charge, they were doing it then, weren't they? Against better teams or against teams that will punish you, and Bordeaux did a little bit. It it cost them, but they kept playing in what they believed in, and ultimately. They get to the 80th minute. It's 20 points all. Goes to extra time. At that point, Bordeaux were absolutely on their, knee, on their knees. <laughs> At on that their point, tits, you know you're winning. You they're know fucked. You're winning. And they had a player, one of the front rowers, I think, had to go off for an injury. Bristol were fully loaded. You know, they've got a great squad. They were refreshed, energised, and, and they went on and cruised the extra time. But I'm happy for Bristol. I'd say they're me second team. They're your second team, are they? Yeah. Behind? Yeah. Exeter. <laughs> <laughs> what about Saracens and Always Edinburgh hashtag no mate Saracens are in the champ mate they're, uh, they're gone mate hashtag Always Edinburgh butchered a quarter final in Europe last year and they mate they might as well have said Ulster Ego is the final I don't want it um, so mate the Pro 14 back and running next week who would have thought is it already? Yeah, mate, it is. Hashtag always Edinburgh. There's again. a bit of drama around that, isn't there? Because all the South African teams are wanting, you know, is it Pro 16 now? What is it? Uh, apparently, but who knows? Apparently the cheaters are taking someone to court. The Southern Kings are gone. What's happening, Jim? Mate, and the French guys have been in jail this week. I mean, I don't know why I'm bringing them into it. They've got nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> mate, just all drama. I don't even know. I don't even know what is going on with life. Not just my life, with everyone's life. Imagine being locked up in jail. If you're Altred or Bernard Laporte, mate, with your mask on. Anyway, Pro 14. Um, I was chatting to Dan Bigger about it the weekend, actually. We were talking about how you turn the league into a really good league. Mate, for me personally, I wouldn't have the South African teams. I wouldn't have the South African teams and I'd question the Italian teams. Not because Why I don't horrible, like the Italian mate? Mate, I love Why the Italian horrible? teams. Mate, I love the Italian teams. But I want to see the best players that are playing in them regions playing every week and you don't see that a lot of the games like you see the second slash th- third string which is great for them but in terms of watching a fully loaded Leinster versus Munster is different so but I'm going to be positive it's back up and running there's been a lot of work behind the scenes and you know a, a, a big shout has got to go to the Pro 14 and for Premier Sports for getting it back up and running and mate I'm saying that because I'm you working I'm out working at the weekend again <laughs> so and I'm not having to drive you're back to being a hashtag always Edinburgh fan again or if they win if they win which <laughs> they go. should well do 
Well, let's get into your favourite part of the show now, Jim. Do you want to introduce it? It's your favourite feature? Well, let's clear this up. It's not necessarily my favourite feature. It's their favourite feature. Oh, it's certainly mine, Jim. It is. Just watching you sweat. But it is still my feature, whether or not I really like it or not. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that, Carol, wherever you may be. We miss you. Jim will solve it. And I did last week. Will I this week? Let's find out. All in one breath, hit me. As you said, your Carol is away filming this week. She'll be back again with us soon. Uh, And she sent another riddle that I'm going to read you out now. Here we go. A bus driver was heading down a street in Colorado. He went right past the stop sign without stopping. He turned left where there was a no left turn sign. And he went the wrong way on a one-way street. Then he went on the left side of the road past a cop car. Still, he didn't break any traffic laws. Why not? Right. I don't know whether I'm best placed for this because I bought my driving license in South Africa for 50 quid. So. <laughs> <laughs> you obviously had it transferred to a UK one now for the eight-hour drive from Edinburgh to... Well, um... you changed it to an international one at the <laughs> AA shop there. Um, ask Deeks, mate. Deeks taught me how to drive. <laughs> Matt went into a bus stop on the beach, but hey, I like buses as well. <laughs> Good job, because this one's a bus driver. It's all about a bus driver, Jim, yeah. Mate, it is, right. So a bus driver, let me write that. Let's call him... Why is it a him? Why can't it Why can't it be a she, Jim? Okay, well, let's call it Frankie then. I was going to call yeah. him Frank. Let's call her Frankie. Is there something in this or not? Right. There's a lot of life lessons that you can get from these riddles. There is. Right, so a bus driver called Frankie was heading down a street in Colorado. So he's... I'm doing an arrow down, down the street. So he's going down the street. In Colorado, you been there, Jim? No, I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah, so would I. So he was heading down the street. He went right past the stop sign without stopping. Right, so hang on, how do I do that? Do I go left or right? I mean, fuck knows. I think it's right. He turned left where there was a no left turn sign and he went the wrong way on a one-way street. Then he went on the left side of the road past the cop car. Still, he didn't break any traffic lords. It's not as obvious as you think, this one, Jim. A bus driver was heading down a street in Colorado. So Frankie was heading down a street, let's call it St. Mary's Street, in Colorado. He ain't getting this, is he, Andy Ray? No chance. So Colorado, you could drive on the other side of the road. Has that got something to do with it? Nope. Well, it may, he could be anywhere then, couldn't he? Well, he's in Colorado, it says. Or she's in Colorado. But I don't know what the rules are in Colorado. So you might be able to do that. It might be the law that you can do that. Well, they That's drive, what it is. It's not... They drive, on the right, they drive on the right-hand side of the road there, James. Then he went on the left side of the, of the road past the... Mate, there's too much detail in here. Is he reversing down the street or not? Which makes you think. Is he reversing down the street? Nope, but you're, on the, you're, you're starting to get on the right lines. I thought that that's what it was, and I, I was going to save it for ages. I was going to build up and say it's because he's reversing, but that isn't it. No. So bus driver headed down the street in Colorado. He went right down past the sign without stopping. He turned left. And there was no left turn sign. I mean, this guy, this guy, old lady, is loose as a goose. And he went the wrong way on a one-way street. So I'll give you a clue, Jim. Is it something to do, is it only when he gets to the cop car that we're being judged there? That Frankie's no. being judged? Or is, he being, is she being judged the whole way? Let's, let's just talk about it. So what was the thing you said? Frankie. It's because they were reversing. Yes. Which we said no to. But you're starting to think outside the box. So, 
it's a bus driver that if it drove a bus as described, it would be clearly breaking laws, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. And then you said, well, it's reversing. Maybe it's reversing because you're trying to think of something different and it's not reversing. It's clearly not driving down the street in the way described. So what else could it be, James? He went right past the stop sign without stopping. Well, that's against the law. He turned left where there was no left turn sign. Why don't you try doing the actions again and and get into the mindset of the bus driver? All right, okay, let me just think now. So Frankie's driving down the street in Colorado. He went right, right past the stop. Why are you changing some of the words, Jim? Oh, no, okay, right, I've got it. Okay. So Frankie was heading heading down a street, so he's heading downhill. And you, you said he was driving downhill. He went right past the... Got it. So he went right past the stop. So he went right past it, so he didn't turn right. How did the actions go again? So the bus driver was heading down the street. And then he... Yeah. Why are you doing those actions? Because I'm driving. Are you, though? Are you telling me, after all this, that this guy's walking down the street? Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous, lads. (laughs) Has Carol sent that in? (laughs) She has. Oh, my word. She has. That's ridiculous. Like, it's... Right, well, that's it. I'm going to think easy next time, then. It's just using the brain, Jim, isn't it? Like, you complicate it. You start throwing names in there and then directions that are different and words that aren't in the riddle. I'm going with what's written down. But the bot, well, you changed, was heading down the street to, was was driving down the street, so you confused yourself straight away. I was trying to personalise it all. That's yeah. that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to put myself or that woman in that bus. Yeah. That's that throwing me. But hey, I, I, would you say I got that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, well, thanks very much. Thanks for that, Carol, as well. Um, I solved it again. Riddle me this, Carol. Riddle me that, lads. Jim just solved it. It weren't a bus driver in the bus. It was a bus driver walking without the bus. <laughs> My throat's up like testicles. It's the driving. Well, should we quickly touch on the premiership with the final two rounds both taking place before the next podcast? I guess we've got to look at who's going to miss out on the top four. It could be Bath, could be Wasps, Sale or Bristol. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the only thing we're playing for now, the the positioning of, of the top four. And who's missing out, Jim? There's a massive call, isn't it? Well, the big one is Tuesday is the Northampton-Sale game for yeah. Sale. And then obviously Bristol-Leicester. I think it'd be ridiculous if Bristol or Sale didn't make it myself. But Bristol have got a... They've had a big European game with extra time. Then obviously they've got another big game at the weekend. I think we'll know after this week, Andrew, we can give a calculated decision. I don't want to guess. What's the point in guessing, mate? I'll probably get it wrong. Well, after this week, Jim, we'll know who's in the semi-finals. So you've got to guess, really. That's what I just said, mate. That's what I just said. Well, you said we'll give a calculated decision. (laughs) Well, I meant more more on Friday. (laughs) Um, It's so hard to call, but you've got to call it, Jim. Who's making the semis? Oh, mate. I feel bad. I don't think Wassa. You what? I'm going to say Bath, Sale and Bristol's. Really? But I'll let you know tonight. I'll let you know. Mate. I'll, te- I'll text you later and say that, mate, you were right. If they beat Quinns tonight, the podcast obviously goes live tomorrow, then I'll eat my words. But if Quinns don't win, mate, they've got big problems, I reckon. Not that they've got much to play for now, but it's Rob Shaw's last game. Mate, it's Rob Shaw's last game. Yeah. So if they can't put in a performance for Rob Shaw on his last game, mate, there's, there's an issue. So as it stands, as it stands, I think Wasps will miss out. But as you know, Matt, I'm, I love Wasps not as much as you, but I say I like them. I don't love them. I like them. You love them. I, I, I heard you love them. I, I think Sale miss out. I really do. Because I think Sale lose to Northampton. Northampton have got to do something. They've picked a strong team. 
It's tough one, isn't it? It's tough, mate. Don't answer it now. Let's just like Wasp have got a difficult. Let's not beat around Jim's bush, but Wasp have got a difficult run in. Mate, just say it. The Wasp ain't making top four. Mate, we are. Mate, we're making it, mate. If we beat Quinn tonight, we're in. I don't think you are though. That's the point. Right, well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Suns are with us again this week, aren't they, Goody? Yeah, they're back again, and they've done absolute wonders for you, haven't they, Jim? You look really sharp on TV. Your hair looked good. You didn't look as good as Dan Bigger, but your hair has become thick and lovely, James. Mate, and I've got a bone to pick with Suns, I'll be honest with you, because off the back of me looking amazing, I've become their model, basically. Mate, they're everywhere. They're advertising on TV in between the rugby matches at the weekend. They're flying. Yeah. And rightly so. You're welcome. Because they have brought my lid back to life. Thank you. Suns is a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs, providing a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly subscription service direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men too and you can take the consultation in less than 2 minutes so just go and visit sons.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's sons.co.uk and the code is RUGBYPOD20 so go and check them out and show hair loss who's boss. Yeah, quite a few good things going around the game this week. Um, we're going to rewind it though. Rewind. Rewind. Oh yeah. Back to last week because the day we recorded was the Premiership Cup final, wasn't it, Jim? Now you say it, yes. More if you remember, it yes, seems yes. like four years ago, but it was only last week. Uh, a, a massive shout out to Sale. Um, it seems like ages ago now, as we said, but they've ended a 14-year wait for a trophy by beating Quinns in the Premiership Cup last week. Fafter Clerk scored an absolute worldie to steal the victory from Harlequins, who probably should have won the game. They were well ahead at one point. Uh, but sales power came through, uh, so a big shout out to them. Um, what else was good? Obviously, Bristol's. We like the Bearbacks, don't we, Jim? Yes, we do, mate. We like Bristol's, we like the social media, and we like Pat. He likes us. We're friends. And they beat Bordeaux in their semi-final to make their first European final ever in a couple of weeks' time. So a massive shout out to everyone down at the Bristol Bears. Um, what else was good? Racing. Finally getting one over Saracens. I think they've lost some huge games previously. Obviously a Champions Cup final. They also lost a quarter final a few years ago as well. So they finally get that monkey off their back in beating Saracens in a knockout game. So massive shout out to them. The magic of Finn Russell. Fakatai was, was a follower. It was easy, Dan said. Well, it was. It was. For, for someone as good as Finn, that is actually quite easy. And it's not. Um, pressure moment. And it was an absolute magician's piece of skill to create the victory and Jim was devastated but a big shout out to Rassin all the boys Anthony Clarkson friend of mine playing at number 8 he's about 46 now but he's still Mate, he looks old he looks he old does. though he, he does. does he actually he looks does. old he does um, but fair play they're into their third Champions Cup final and they'll be hoping it's third time lucky but I'm sorry Rassin fans if you are listening Jim and I want extra to win don't we Chiefs 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 we do can you say that but yes I'll be saying that yes you can um, talking about the Chiefs 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 they Get the good this week. And especially people like Joe Simmons and his brother Sam Simmons. Uh, they were absolutely outstanding. Uh, great to see them make their maiden European final. We spoke to Tony Rowe earlier. Immensely proud. The journey they've been on. It really is an amazing story from playing Plymouth Albion 11 years ago to being in the European Cup final now. So this week, the good goes to Exeter Chiefs, all the players, all their fans, all their owners and all the coaches. A brilliant club to be part of. 
and we wish them all the best for the Champions Cup final. Chief Chiefs, Chiefs. The bad. A um, couple of bad things, really. One, uh, a little bit light-hearted, um, because the bad is going to go to Racing and Saracens. Because I thought it was a really bad semi-final, Jim. It wasn't the best in terms of quality. It's um, not my fault. Why are you telling me? Well, you, you know, <laughs> I just am. Um, so that was pretty bad. It wasn't a great spectacle to watch. Um, but that doesn't get the bad this week. Uh, the bad, unfortunately, and I'm not going to name the person, but you're an absolute scumbag. The guy that's murdered, Matt Ratana. Uh, it shook the rugby world. It shook the police officers around the country. Um, we saw the news, what a lovely bloke he was. He was shot in the line of duty in Croydon last Friday night. Sergeant Ratana, he'd been killed by a handcuff suspect. He was a massive guy in the rugby world. He played and coached and had a big part to play at East Grinstead Rugby Club. Everyone that spoke to him and came in contact with him uh, said what a lovely, warm guy he was. Gave all his energy away from the police force to rugby. Um, a real inspiration for a lot of people in and around that area. So um, a massive condolences to everyone in the police force, his family, um, and it's a real shocking thing that's happened. Here, Irigudi, our thoughts are with everyone involved in that tragic case. And the ugly, we're going to go over to France for this. Mate, I, let's go. <laughs> Jim mentioned it earlier. Uh, we actually can't go to France, I think, Jim, because it's on the quarantine list. But uh, we're going over to France for the ugly because Bernard Laporte, a.k.a. Bernard the Door, and Mohamed Altrad uh, both were taken into custody in France last week and questioned over allegations of corruption, which, does it surprise you with French rugby, Jim? Matt, is this legit or not? This is 100% legit. I was reading it, I was like... I need I need pictures, mate. I need handcuffs. I need I need something to show me that this is true, or if this is just a big wind up. Well, it certainly happened. Um, they were questioned about allegations of corruption. Ultimately, Mohamed Altrad sponsors French rugby now as well, doesn't he? Bernard Laporte is very high up in French rugby, and apparently, there's some business transactions that were looking decidedly dodgy. So, uh, not a good look for rugby, and it all looks very fishy, Jim. If anyone can dig into them. Goody, you are the man, mate. Get digging. Bring your spade and your mate, fork. Lock them up and throw away the key. That's all I'm saying. Cheers, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, I have. Uh, it's a massive shout-out to Nick Stephen, um, who got in touch with me over Instagram. His message read, Andy, I can't explain how much your podcast has helped me during lockdown. I've really struggled with my mental health and having to quit rugby due to concussions. You make me and the millions of listeners feel like they're having a catch-up with old friends. For me, the last few months, you've allowed me to keep up to date with the sport I love and feel part of the game again. You, Jim, Vorders and the Weird Fish and producer Tim have been entirely responsible for some happy times recently. Your pod has had a huge impact on my life. It's been a really difficult few months, but it's helped me deal with some personal issues and it's helped my personal relationships as well because my missus loves it and she loves me more after I've listened to your pod and I'm happier. So a massive shout out to Nick Stephen. We try and put smiles on people's faces. It's nice to hear that we help people through tough times. We're a couple of idiots, aren't we, Jim? Well, um, expert idiots, I should say. Yes. What, I, what I like most about his message, though, was that he put Andy Rowe after orders. That's all, mate. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. And Tim at the end. That'll do, producer Tim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and check us out on YouTube as well. Rugby Pod. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) 